Good morning. My name is Jeff Lance, in case you don't know, and I'm the executive pastor, which is like, everybody's like, executive pastor, is that like spe- more special than the head pastor or the senior pastor? Or No, the executive pastor, it's, it's like the guys that are, were like number two, they figured out a way to make them, their name look really good. So I'm the, I'm the executive pastor uh, here, which means that I do a lot of this stuff kind of behind the scenes and everything. Now, we're going into the Christmas season, which is awesome. I like the Christmas season. It's my favorite time of year. The only thing I don't like is how the days get shorter and the nights seem to get really long. So I get up and I go to work in the dark and I come home in the dark. That, that part's not as good, but you get to sit by the fire and everything. That's, that's really nice. So at City Church, we have some, some things coming up. Uh, Number one, we have our Christmas social. Now, you guys know about, uh, if you were here last year, you remember the Christmas social. This is a time where you can just come, hang out. It's like getting the Christmas cheer. You just walk in the door. There's food. So all, all the guys are like, yeah. There's fellowship. All the girls are like, yeah. So this is a time. There's a, there's a jazz band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll, it's a nice time. You can just show up and you can just relax and hang out with everybody and spread a little Christmas cheer. Now, the thing I am most excited about is our kids' Christmas program. Yeah, that's awesome. Last year, we, we stepped up our game a little bit. So we had the kids do, uh, if you remember, it was the emoji Christmas. Well, this year, it is Christmas under the sea. Yes, and instantly, everybody's thinking, da 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 the Little Mermaid song. And so it's Christmas under the sea, and it's just kind of a unique way of telling the Christmas story underwater with fish. There's going to be a shark. There's going to be little octopi. There's, so there, there's going to be a lot of fun things. Now, if you have kids, they're probably a part of this. So make sure that you go to all the rehearsals, have them go to all the rehearsals and stuff. If you don't have kids, you're still going to have a good time. But here's our number one thing. Our main goal for the Christmas Under the Sea is that we want to invite families that have kids. This is an opportunity for them to hear the Christmas story and to hear about Jesus in a way that maybe they've never seen and to really engage kids. So if you have family friends, right now you're probably thinking, I have some family friends that have little kids. Invite them. Next week, we're actually going to hand out cards, little invitation cards that you can give to them so that they can come. That is going to be Sunday night, December 8th at 6 p.m. Uh, so now if you're a visitor, we are very glad you're here. Uh, this might, might be your first time, might be your third time. That's okay. Some people, it takes 20 times uh, to decide what, what's home for them. Uh, if you are a visitor, we actually have, uh, there will be a, a slide that comes up, and there's a phone number, and you can text, so you put the phone number, in case you don't know how to do this, if you're going to text to something, you take that phone number, and you put it in a little phone number thing, and then you text the keyword. So if you're a guest, you text guest, and you send it, and it'll send you a link back, and you just fill out a little information about yourself, and you'll get, uh, you'll get uh um, a welcome, and you get a gift card, and you get a postcard from us, and we're not going to spam you, I promise. The second thing is right now we take our tithes and offerings. We do the same thing. So we still use the, but instead of texting guest, we text give. And so you'll get a little link back, and you can put in how much you want. Uh, so let me just pray real quick over our offering, and uh, then we'll uh, introduce our guest speaker. 
Father, right now we just uh, thank you for uh, the tithes and offerings, uh, the God, that we give to you. Pray that uh, you would increase their number, that we could use them uh, to benefit your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to have Pastor Steve kind of come up here. For those of you that don't know Pastor Steve, he was the pastor. He is now, what, what is his title now? Emeritus pastor. I, it's another one of those when you're retired, it still makes you feel good, so you add the emeritus after. So Pastor Steve is like my spiritual father. See, I, I get the benefit of two pastors. So I have my spiritual father pastor, and then I have Pastor Matt. And they both have different gifts that, can, that are really uh, beneficial and I like having two pastors personally. But Pastor Steve was a pastor. He's actually Matt's dad. Uh, they were over the church for 20-some years, 25-plus years, uh, starting way back in... Uh, and uh, he is a man that uh, his gift is uh, kind of a prophetic gift and a gift to the nations. So right now, he's doing a lot more of that. They live in Portland, Oregon. So I just want to introduce Pastor Steve and Barbara Williams. Well, I'm his wife, okay, <laughs> and I'm Barbara. Anyway, uh, yes, it's so good to be here and see you all again. A lot of familiar faces and a lot of new faces, which is really exciting. Um, and it's just great to walk in the building and see all the great changes. I love all this. I love everything, you guys. It's just every time I come, it gets better and better and better. It's awesome. But I just want to say I am so excited about what God is doing in Albuquerque. God is making a difference here. You are making a difference in this city. When I, we, keep, we keep in touch. We keep aware of the news and all the stuff that's going on here. And to see this, the churches coming together in unity in this city and making a difference, crime is down. I'm sorry, that's because of prayer and the, and the church coming together in unity. God commands a blessing when there's unity. And there's a blessing, obviously, pouring into this city. So I just want to commend you guys. You're doing a great job. Love y'all. All right, bye. Wow, it's great to be home. And uh, it's kind of overwhelming for me just to be here and um, see everybody and be with a worship band that I just love dearly. They value the presence of God. I think that's just a high priority in all of our lives. And um, so... We're, we're living in uh, Tigard, Oregon, which is on the west side of Portland right now. And, um, you know, my retirement lasted about eight months. And um, <laughs> I looked at Barbara and said, I, I'm going to find something to do. Well, the Lord really blessed us. And um, an opportunity opened up with Ministers Fellowship International, which is our organization that we belong to for ever. And um, I went on a quote-unquote part-time basis and anyhow I'm pastoring pastors all over the country and uh, I'm now stepping into pastoring all of our regional directors and traveling to regions and doing ministry with leaders all over the country and uh, working with international leaders and um, you know your fingerprints that are on me are going all over the world and um, I, I am your missionary. I, I am sent out of this place, and I just want to come back and give a good report, just like Paul did at Antioch. And I just want you to know that, you know, I, I, I hear on the news, I don't really hear it because I don't listen to it and watch it anymore, but I read it, 
people say churches are dying. I just like to say the churches I go to are not dying. They're alive. The presence of, listen to me, the presence of God is there. Churches are growing. Young people are coming into the house of God looking for something that's real and honest. They don't want hyped up religion. They want the mom and dad they've never had. And it is a great opportunity for those of us that have been there, done that, have the t-shirt. We are on the edge of what I believe is going to be the greatest spiritual awakening this country has ever seen. There is a hunger for God in the United States of America. One of the greatest things that's happened to me in the last couple of years is I got delivered from cable news and uh, bad news and the bad news prognosticators and, and let them get out of my head. They weren't paying rent and I got them out of my head, got my ear tuned to what the Holy Spirit is doing afresh. And I'm here just to declare there's an awakening coming. And it's time for us to tune to the Holy Spirit and hear what he's saying and step into it. Because this is the day of harvest in the United States of America. We are living in great days. That's just my little greeting. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I, I'm more excited about God and his kingdom than I've ever been. And uh, I've been a Christian since 1973. That's a couple of years. And um, I'm telling you, get your ear opened and your eyes opened and begin to listen to the Holy Spirit because God wants to use you to reach people. Okay. So, um, got a lot of time. I want to speak today on the invitation to know God, that there's an invitation to know him. And uh, by the way, I, I, I do want you to know this, that I, I listen all the time to Pastor Matt and uh, Jeff and Yo and whoever's preaching around here, Pastor Amber, and I just want you to know they're doing a great job of ministering the word of God. They're doing outstanding and uh, I, I still am an elder in this church, and I do FaceTime in to every elders meeting I'm in on how they're making their decision processes, and Jeff and uh, Matt, and then they have Stephen Bradfute and Elsa helping in that process. And I'm telling you that they think well of this church and well of the people in it, and their decision-making processes are really, really good. And I just want to commend the leadership. I think Julie does an outstanding job, and... Um, you guys are in great hands, and so, and, and part of listening to Matt is I get to listen to his, um, I think they're called jokes, <laughs> that he brings every week, so I, I thought I'd have to have at least one. So, uh, George and Emma, they've been married for many, many years, and Emma had a pet parrot named Petey, and he had a big cage that the bird lived in, and they'd let it out and fly all over the house, and and the bird kind of ran the house. And um, anyhow, Emma, she became ill and she passed away. And so it was up to George and the bird to live in the house together. And George would let Petey out of the cage and fly around. But Petey got to missing to Emma. Everything changed in his life. And Petey developed this mean streak. And so George was trying to put Petey back into the cage. And Petey took his beak down and 
took a great big chunk out of George's flesh and George shoved the bird back in there and said, I'm not going to let it out until I do something about that beak. So he went down to the pet store down the street and he's walking around and the guy that owned the pet store said, can I help you? And he said, well, he said, I'm looking for a, a file to file my, my wife's parrot's beak because he, he bit me, showed him the big chunk and the guy said, you can't file that bird's beak, you'll kill it. He said, well, I got to do something because I'm not going to let him do that to me anymore. He said, you don't have a file? He said, no. He said, I got a metal file in my garage. Maybe I'll use that. And the guy said, don't touch that bird's beak. You'll kill that bird. Don't mess with it. If you don't, if you don't want him, just bring him here. I'll take him. The guy said, no, I got to take care of him. He's my wife's bird. So he walked off and, you know, they had a pretty heated argument. He, and George walks off and and about three months later, he's back in the pet store. He got himself a puppy, and he's looking at the puppy food, and the pet owner's talking to him. And he said, hey, weren't you guy with the bird? He said, yeah. He said, how's the bird doing? He said, well, he said, the bird died. He said, I told you not to file that bird's beak. Is that what you did? He said, no. No, he said, um, he got scared to death when I put him in the vice and had a heart attack, and he passed away. The moral of the story is you got to be prepared for some tight places in your life. <laughs> you know, Je Jesus showed up on the planet with a revolutionary message. And uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he said this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And the thought of the kingdom of God being at hand is, is that he's reaching out to you and giving you an invitation to come into his world. He came into our world not to be us, but to bring us into his world, to bring us into his mentality, to bring us into his mindset. And so the word repentance is actually a word that says you change your mind. You're headed one way and you stop and you don't stop. You turn around and head towards God and you get a new heart, a new mind and a totally new way of thinking. Repent. The pent is in the penthouse. How many understand? Raise the way that you think that you can now think the thoughts of God. There's an invitation there. Hey, you can come into my world and begin to think how your father thinks about you. Change your mind, get a whole new way of thinking, look at things from God's perspective. And he said this, if you believe the gospel, you can have eternal or everlasting life. And believing in the gospel is, it's no longer what you can do, it's what God has done for you. By sending Christ into the earth, he became one of us. He came to our place, took our place so we can be with him in his place. A great deal. See, Jesus bought something. Jesus paid for something. What did he pay for? He paid for forgiveness and healing and deliverance from evil and a brand new life and a fresh start. How many know that you're glad for a fresh start in life? He, he says, your past is in the past. Your future is in me. It's a great way to live. Jesus opened up the floodgates of love and mercy and grace. And 
And, and he, he now tells us that we can pray for heaven to invade the earth, to come into the earth. And, and he explained to us what eternal life is. Turn with me to John chapter 17, John's gospel, chapter 17, Jesus' prayer for his believers just before he was leaving the planet. He spoke these words, verse 1, and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And then he defines it. And this is life eternal that they, say they with me, they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they, it's not individuals, it's a corporate people. It's not one or two, it's all that come. They may know you. They, they may feel you, is what it understands. They may understand you. They may be sure of you or have a God confidence about their lives. There's a big difference between self-confidence and human ego and people who have a God confidence in their life because they, they know him. They begin to understand who he is and they begin to walk with him that they may experience you. Jesus has given us the invitation. You can come and experience me. We've been given this new life. We have been invited into a relationship and that relationship, by the way, is real and vibrant and alive. And the spirit of the living God is now living inside of us. You can come into my kingdom. The kingdom of God is a spiritual reality. The apostle Paul said it's not meat or drink or it's not an external thing. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. Say joy with me. Joy in the Holy Spirit. It could be in, with, or by the Holy Spirit. That's what that word process means. And so when Jesus says you can come and have a relationship with me, you have to lose your sour puss. Amen? Amen? You got some joy in your heart. You got to choose to cooperate with him. What he put in you will come alive if you will... Surrender to it. It's a vibrant way of life. Followers of Jesus should not be bored. Amen. You know, I, I, I think you guys understand this around here. If there's an amen once in a while, the preaching is shorter. Well, I'm done, Matt. I'm just Knowing God was alluded to in the Old Testament. Knowing God was alluded to. There were a few people, a select people, who walked with God and, and knew God. People like Abraham and Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Job, David, those people. And, it's, and here's just a couple thoughts out of the Old Testament. Psalms 103 verse 7 says this. God made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. 
And so you had Moses who had, in Exodus 33, said he had face-to-face encounters with God. You know, and I, I can tell you how that happens when people really are having face-to-face encounters with God. The glory of God becomes so strong in your life that your hair falls out. I'm just, uh, I just want to let you know what, how you know there's an anointing around. There's, there's nothing between you and God. It's all taken care of there. And this, this scripture in Psalms is telling us this. We can be benefactors of God's miracles and not really know him. Moses knew his ways. See, the ways of God, when you go down, you go up. When we humble ourselves, we connect. See, it's not I'm so smart and God's lucky to have me on his team. It's really, I I have to become empty of myself and be filled with him and understand who he is. See, Moses had these face-to-face encounters with God. In fact, his knowledge of God and understanding of God was so powerful that when the nation went off and and, and made idols, he was on his face. God, you got to help these people. He's saying, they're your people. They're not my people. But Jeremiah... Chapter 9, turn with me there with me. It's a great scripture, Old Testament allusion to knowing God. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah was a prophet who was prophesying in the days just before the whole nation of Israel was going to be carried off into Babylon for turning away from God historically. And in the middle of this season, the Lord says, verse 23 Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. In other words, don't be boasting about who you are and what you have and and what's been done. But let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. I delight in these things. God delights in people who set their hearts to know him. That's where his delight, that's where his pleasure is. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32 says this, that the wicked get corrupted or, or defiled or polluted with flattery. And the thought of flattery is being being drawn in to the smooth talking stuff. Barbara says this about flattery. She said, it's just wonderful. It's like perfume. You can smell it, but don't swallow it. Now listen, we have to be careful because we can get polluted by smooth talking conversation. And then the next part of that verse says, but those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Those who, those who live with a constant awareness of him, that, that he is your familiar friend. People of faith are children of Abraham, and it says of Abraham, he's a friend of God. And you have been called into a friendship. God is your friend. 
you're constantly aware of him. Those who live like that will be strong, will be courageous, will be conquerors, will have a, a victorious mindset living inside of them. And it says they will, they will do exploits or they will do it. The ESV says they will take action. The Amplified says they'll take a strong stand and the whole thought of being filled with that strength is in you is a God confidence and in you is a resistance to evil. See, if I'm going to walk with God and be his friend and be familiar with him, when, when evil gets around, there's an alarm that goes off on the inside. And we get to continually make choices. Am I going to participate with the evil or am I going to resist it? Those that know their God will be strong. So we have this select few who know God. But Jesus shows up and he said, it's not a select few anymore. It's for everybody who will say yes. You've been invited into that dynamic relationship. See, in the new covenant, it's not one or two or a few or a few patriarchs. It's all who will say yes to the gospel. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. See, we have now a perfect God. The one who is love and filled with mercy and filled with kindness and filled with grace saying to humanity, I want you. You are are invited. In fact, God is invested in this relationship. He bought us. He sent his son who paid the price for us to have this dynamic relationship. Now he's saying, do you want me? I've made the way for you. Do you want me? Do you want to live in your way of thinking? which is small and limited, and you have to be careful because every once in a while, your way of thinking can become negative. I mean, I I read that in a book somewhere. (laughs) I've learned it in the school of life. You You know, the problem in our world today, by the way, is not environmentally, and it's not air pollution, it's mind pollution. See, and we got to check our stinking thinking. That's all free, by the way. None of that's in my notes. We got to check that stuff at the door of the gospel and say, repentance says I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to now be filled with the thoughts of God. Now listen to me. His thoughts towards you are good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are better than your ways. His thoughts towards you are precious. You are highly valuable in the kingdom of God. God has plans for you that are good. Are you listening to me? See, what are you thinking about? Because the opportunity to walk with God and the invitation to participate with him affects the way that we think. I have people tell me, oh, the Lord's mad at me. Stop that. He took all your madness out on the cross. It's paid for. 
It's done. The judgment of sin is over with. And if we will come to him and receive what he's done, we can live a life with a heart filled with love and a conscience that is clean and be filled with God's mind and heart toward other people. See, that's the invitation is to know him. See, and, and God is the initiator of that relationship. We had a, many years ago, I was in my 20s, had this whole campaign, I found him. Trouble is, after this whole national campaign was over, I thought, you didn't find him, he found you. Because he's looking. And he paid. And he calls. And he says, come on. You, you can have a relationship. But we, we have to respond. And, and listen, we have to respond more than once. We have to respond continually. The Apostle Paul is a hero of mine. Before I ever pastored, I, John the Baptist was one of my heroes. But after I pastored for a long time, and now that I work with pastors, I have great respect for the Apostle Paul. He was a world-changing man. And it says that he carried the burden of all the churches upon him. He was this man that was surrendered. And in Philippians chapter 3, and this is really my main text. Verse 3 says, we are the circumcision. We are the covenant people who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ and have no confidence. Say that with me. No confidence confidence in the flesh though I also might have confidence in the flesh if anyone thinks he may have confidence I I have more and then he gives us his pedigree I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel the tribe of Benjamin I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews I was a Pharisee and the Pharisees by the way they they had their minds filled with scripture they memorized Torah they if you were a high level Pharisee and Paul was at the highest level he sat at the feet of Gamaliel he was well educated he was refined in his thinking he he knew the law he knew it well he knew it inside and out and he says this concerning zeal persecuting the church Paul the apostle Paul was Saul beforehand and and he was the chief leader of the persecution of the church in Jerusalem when Stephen was stoned he was standing there right beside it making sure that he didn't they didn't miss out that they got it done so he he was there when all of that was done he threw people in prison. He, he was involved in people dying for the faith. He, he was this persecutor of the church. He said, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. I kept it all. He, he kept all the commandments. And then he says, but, but what things were gained to me, these I count lost for Christ. But indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The old King James says dung. It actually means body waste. Everything in my pedigree. (laughs) 
if I should say this, but everything that I've done, all I've accomplished, all of that stuff, you know what it's worth? It's worth what's in the toilet bowl after we have body waste. Flush it. It's over. It was no big deal. (laughs) Do you know that self-righteousness is no big deal? All I can do for God is no big deal. But what he did for us, that's a big deal. See, and that is what our boast is in now. It's not what we did, it's what he did, what, what he accomplished. Paul said, I want to gain Christ. I want the favor of God flowing in me and through me. I want to be found in him. That's a total new identity. I I want to live a life of faith righteousness, which is a total trust and allegiance to what God has done. And then he makes this bold statement, I want to know him. What the select few had, I want. What Jeremiah prophesied about, that's what I want. What Daniel proclaimed, that's what That's what I want. What Jesus invited us into, that's what I want. I want to know him. I want to know him deeply. I want to walk in his presence. Jesus said, this this is life eternal. Well, Well, how do we get it? It's really quite simple. We say yes. It's that simple. I receive, yes. Yes, you provided, I receive it. The promises of God are yes and amen to the person that believes. We say yes to him. Jesus said, who do people say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he said, I'm giving you some keys you can access into my kingdom. He makes this statement, whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven, loose, loose. The, the, the message translation says this, a yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. And Paul said this, I, and, and he, was now, he was a highly educated man, and he said this, I'm fighting for the simplicity that's in the gospel. It's a simple yes. You, you want in? Here's what the Father's saying. You want in? I paid the price. I'm the initiator of this thing. You want in? You can get in. How do I get in? Yes. How do I walk with you? You just keep saying yes. Every step of the way, you just keep saying yes. And by the way, this thing of eternal life, it's not just when we pass this season and head to the other side. It starts when we say yes. You can live in his presence today. You can have heaven living inside of you today. Paul said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. This is the guy with a supernatural conversion filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a guy who's seen the sick healed, the dead raised, demons cast out of people, cities turned upside down, multitudes saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, I I still want to know more of the power of his resurrection. 
I, I want to have the fellowship of his <laughs> sufferings. See, in America, we just don't believe that that should have been in the scripture, that somebody would actually go through some difficulties to walk with God. Can I tell you? It's part of the life. You want to know him? You're going to get your will crossed. Jesus had rejection, persecution, opposition, physical discomfort, weakness, betrayal. He was misunderstood, lied about, and forsaken. And Psalms 22 says about him on the cross, my tongue stuck to the roof of my mouth. (laughs) We go through a little bit of rejection and we're on Facebook. We're handing out pity parties, invitations to pity parties. Woe is me. We run into a little bit of betrayal. We get misunderstood. Somebody says something about you that's not true. I know that it never happens to any of you, but it has actually happened to me once or twice. And I've probably participated in the other thing. But it says here, the tongue stuck to the roof of his mouth. Paul said, I want to be there when the dead are raised. I don't have it all together, but I'm pressing on. Say that. I will press on. There's more. If you're breathing today, there's more for you. He said, I'm reaching for that that I've been apprehended for. I'm not satisfied with what I've seen. I'm not satisfied with where I've been. There's still a yearning in my heart for more of God. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. And there's a that in my life. There's a a purpose in my life. There's a purpose in your life. What are you reaching for? What are you pressing for? Now listen, the goal is not the that. The goal is to know God. And if you'll set your heart that I'm going to know God, you will discover what the that is for your life. See, some of the greatest days are your life when you meet your creator and find out that he loves you, cares for you. Another great day is when you discover what the that is for you. What the that is for you. Paul said, I'm, I'm pressing on for more, for the high calling, which that high calling is to know him and to make him known. There are three keys to knowing God. There's many more, but here's three for today. Number one is keep your faith active. Keep your faith active. Stay in the word of God. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep asking. It's faith that pleases God, and God rewards those who run after him. Number two is keep your heart clean. Blessed are the pure in heart. They see God. And it's not just that they see him. They will see what he's doing and be able to enter in to what he's doing doing so don't get polluted you know take out the garbage in your heart I I know maybe none of you have had to do that but I I can sell tickets and write a book and teach you how to take the garbage out because see the guy that cut me off and I got angry (laughs) who has the issue I mean Come on, help me. Who has the issue? See, nobody makes me angry. I choose to get angry. I didn't choose that happened. Yeah, well, 
you still got angry. So you got to deal with that issue. I mean, you understand I me? Mean? When you get offended, guess who gets to forgive? We do. You got to keep that thing going all the time. You got to keep your heart clean. And the third one is this embrace change. Everybody say that with me. We are being transformed. God, I want to know you. I want to see your face. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 3.18, from glory to glory, we are being transformed, even into the image of Jesus. Have you ever prayed bold prayers? God, I'll go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do. I prayed that prayer. God, break every religious bone in my body. I prayed that prayer. Break cynicism out of my life. I prayed that prayer. I prayed this crazy prayer when I was 25 years old, brand new Christian, going to Bible college, reading through Philippians. Paul saying, I want to know you. And it was almost like a Solomon moment in my life. The presence of God came into the room, said, Steve, what do you want? I was startled. I sat there. What did you say, God? What do you want? I said, I want what Paul wanted. I, I, I want to know him. I want to know you. I want this to be real. I want this to be honest. I want this to be powerful. I want to know you. I'm a Florida boy, love the beach, love the sunshine, love the ocean. But in a few months, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to pack up and move to Oregon. Leave everybody you know, family, friends, everything you're familiar with. And I want you to come and and, and go there and learn and submit your life. Sure, 25, it's easy. Threw everything I had in the back end of my 1968 Thunderbird and drove off to Oregon. But you know what I found in Oregon? Not just an education, not just friends, but a cute little blonde that was sitting there waiting for me. It was a good deal. <laughs> but you got to say yes. See, we said yes in 1991 and to God and, and came to Albuquerque, and came to a broken church and went through that whole deal to what has become this place, which is an awesome church that's life-giving. But we said yes and everything changed. So then we transitioned the church, you know, to Pastor Matt. Pa- Matt's the pastor. Now, you know, I mean, it just seems like, yeah, that's just such an easy decision to make. But I had a million emotions. And then Barbara starts in, I think God wants us to move. I said, I'm 68, 69 years old. I don't want to move. I think I heard from God. No, I don't want to move. God, I want you to move. How old was Abram when he moved? He was 75. How old was Moses? He was 80. Those, those are literal numbers, you know, when you start thinking about it. So here, listen to me. This is what living a transformed life is like. This is what transitions are like. You're in this comfortable place, this great big room. Everything's familiar. It's all good. And then God says, hey, let's go on a great adventure. Yes. And you're going to this place that's actually a better room. It's filled with better promises, better purpose. I mean, I'm now doing at 70 years old what I was born to. I'm doing what I was made for. It is an awesome life. I have the best life I could ever dream of. But I had to go from here to here. And you know what that is? In transitions, transformation process, there's this little hallway. There's nothing in the Bible about that hallway. Change. We throw that word around, you got to change. It's easy to change. I'm going to tell you, it's hard to change. It's difficult to change. You know what you get to do in the hallway? You get to 
surrender all over again. Now, I'm an old guy. I remember the raid commercial. You spray the cock, cockroach and arms are up and legs are up. He's dead. And it's like, okay, surrender. Get over it. What do I do in the hallway? This is what I do. I hang on to the principles. I keep a devotional life. I keep connected to God. I keep serving. I keep giving. I keep all of those things. I hang on. And I, and I declare who God is. And he's good. He's for me. He's not against me. But all of these anxieties and all these fears. And I don't understand it. I'm not in charge anymore. I've been preaching in transitional churches. There's a lot of symptoms. Everything's changing. Well, I want to tell you something. You're headed here. And it's better. You'll get there. You'll win more. You'll see more. You'll see more people saved and healed and restored and lives transformed. I want to go back. You can't go back. There's nothing to go back to. You got to go forward. That's what Paul said. I'm pressing on. I'm reaching for the fat. City Church. Let me tell you something. Your best days are in front of you, not behind you. You have been apprehended for a purpose. There is a generation that's going to come running into the kingdom, and you are prepared for it. You were born for it. Just get through the hallway and enter in to the great place of joy. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be with you this week. Let's stand together. Let's just stand together. Now, you don't have to be a prophet to know everybody's somewhere in that hallway in their life. I just want to declare over you, when you're in that place of tightness, don't die in fear and don't have a heart attack. You're not going to die. You're headed to a better place. And God will get you there because he's for you not against you he loves you he will carry you there his mercy is with you his kindness is with you and I'm going to tell you the hallway gets done quicker when you don't complain that's free let's lift our hands together Lord Jesus thank you that we have been apprehended and we have been called and we have been seized for this day by your hand and that you will take us from the place we were to the place that you want us to be and we know that it's an abundant way of life so in the middle of it God we say this I want to know you I want to know the power of your resurrection I will surrender all over again and learn what it is to identify with even your sufferings, Jesus, but you will take us to that place for that purpose and those plans that you have for us. You are preparing us for a mighty harvest of people coming into the kingdom. We will endure the tough times for the joy that is set before us, and we will give you the praise and the glory and all of the honor. And everybody said, amen. still stands great is your faith
love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have a great and wonderful week.